Guys, you guys are a really excited church. Yes, we are. We're in Miami. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're giving your offering or if you're filling out a connection card or getting coffee, please make your way in. For the rest of us, I want you to say with me, it's time to start. It is time to start. So it's one of my favorite subjects. I want to welcome everybody watching for, by live stream. We're having a good time here at Elevate this morning. We hope you're having a good time too. We encourage you to watch, uh, to share the stream, all y'all here too as well. Share the stream. This is a really um, great message going into the new year. I want you to say this with me. This message is not for everyone. That's right, it's not. And I'm gonna show you why. So it's a new year, it's new opportunities. It's a chance to change and a chance to begin again. New Year's gives us an opportunity to take inventory of our lives. How many knows when you take inventory of your life, you don't always like what you see, right? It's not always a pleasant thing to take inventory. It's like walking into your garage, right? After about five years of shoving things in there, you're like, what? Or your closet. <laughs> You may not like what you see, but everybody say with me, good news, good news. Happy, day. happy day, things can change. It's one of my favorite subjects in the world is change. It's bit, one of the threads of the gospel is change. Say this, this is important for you too. If I do not change, nothing will change. People say, what do you think 2023 is gonna be like? I'm gonna be, it's gonna be just like every other year unless you change. You have to change. People are under the deception that they believe that their lives are controlled by outside forces. They're not. God has the capacity and you have within you the Holy Spirit that you can prosper in season and out. Isaac sowed in the time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Nobody else was prospering but the servant of God was. Egypt was going down but the church was going up. People believe that they're affected, their lives are affected by outside choices. That is not true at all. Life is affected by the inner world, the development, the decisions that you make. There's a lot of different things, but the outside choices has nothing to do with it. Alex, do you got that slide? Yeah, just throw it up there. We're going to play a little game show here. Anybody know who that is? Who? No, you got to give me his name. Who is it? There we are. So we're just going to leave them up. Yeah, rich dad, poor dad. Yes, yes, an educated group we have. So there's a rule. It's called the 95% rule. This is factual across the board. There's a reason why I put him up here. Because I want you to understand this message isn't for everybody. 95% of people consume content. Less than 5% actually do anything with it. Statistical. Throughout generations. 95% of people will take in the content, take in the content. But only 5% will actually do anything with it. So this message, well, I'm going to give you content. I'm going to give you a basis. I'm going to give you a bunch of raw elements this morning that if you'll actually begin to apply them, your life will change in 2023 or not. And the reason why it won't is because you don't want to change or you're not willing to take the steps into change. The gospel is all about change. So the reason I put this guy up here is that 
uh, he tells a story. So this guy's very wealthy, and he tells, like, he was a Marine fighter pilot. I didn't know that about this guy. And when he got out of the Marines, he was on the GI Bill. And so he was able to go to school and do all these different things. And one of the things that he did is he, went, he would go to seminars, and he was really interested in real estate investing. And so he went to a real estate seminar. He said there were 100 people in the room. Everybody say it with me. 100 people in the room. And he gave an assignment to the whole room. This big-time investor who had made lots of money was going to teach these guys how to make money. And he gave the assignment to the room, and he told them, I want you to analyze 100 properties in 30 days, and I want you to give me a one-page written analysis on each one of these properties. He gave that assignment to 100 people. How many people do you think actually did the assignment? Three. Close. Five. I just told you the 5% rule. You're like, 5%. Three. Of the three, of the three that did it, you know what that investor did? He put them all on a plane and he flew them to his house and he opened up his business plan and told them exactly how he did it. But the 97 didn't get the information. He didn't fly all 100 of them out there because they weren't committed. And Robert was, happened to be one of the guys who actually did the assignment. The question is, is which one are you? You can take that down. You have to make up your mind. Are you the 95% or are you the 5%? You understand what I'm saying here? This is a 5% church. This is what we do. We call you higher, right? We have 95ers and all this other stuff, but the message and the thrust of this church is towards the upward calling in Christ Jesus. What you have to decide coming into this year is are you the 5% or are you the 95%? If you want to be the 95%, you're going to have a lot of company. I'm sure those guys were talking in the room. I'm not doing that assignment. That's stupid. That, me neither. Let's all, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. So they probably even got together as a group and decided that they weren't going to do it. But the three that did, they, they received the benefit from it. 95% rule. So the question, first question, say it. The first question I need to ask is, do I want to change? That's your first question. You know, the, change is like a four-letter word to some people. It's like it's so painful. Pa change is painful. Say this with me. I got lots of sayings on this. This is one of my favorite subjects, right? Say it with me. The bridge, the bridge. from where I am to where I need to be is called change. We like everything the same. We don't like to change, but change is the only thing that... The, the outer life is not... The world's going to change, and you can be unaffected by the outer world, but you have to change. If you don't change, nothing else is going to change. Here you go, Mark, or John chapter 5. We talked about this last week. Jesus saw a man lying at the pool, and he had learned he had been in this condition, say it with me, 38 years. 38 he had been lying there, and Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to get well? And what did the man say? I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm getting in, someone else comes down ahead of me. And Jesus looked at him and said, he said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. What's the point of this story? Guy's been laying in a pool for 38 years. And Jesus asks him a question. And he has nothing but excuses. Nothing but excuses. Oh, you don't understand. I, you know, there are people that are smarter than me. You don't understand. There are people that are, you know, they got better advantages. I come from a really messed up family. You know, you don't understand. Life's hard. Oh, life's hard. I don't have anybody to carry me. Nobody's carrying me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Exactly. Thank you very much. My harmonizing Carmen, she'll always sing with me. I say something, she'll start singing it. Yes. <laughs> and it wants the man. So she, he had to say it with me. He had excuses. He had excuses. 
Jesus had commands. Your life change is directly related to your excuses and Jesus' commands. Yeah? You want to make excuses, you'll lay at the pool for another 38 years. Right? Or you're going to listen to him. He, even when Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, he still had to do it. He could, he could have looked at him and said, that's impossible. How could I possibly do that? Jesus was looking for faith. He found excuses, but the guy listened to him and he obeyed the command. But that's the number one question is, do you want to change? Say this with me. There's a difference between wanting it and doing what it takes. Everybody wants it, but very few are willing to do what it takes. Very few. Oh, I want it, but nobody wants to show up at show to church, uh, let's say 80% of the time. Be in, be in a house, commit and connect to church. Let's just give you one. You want your life to change, Christian, this is the house of God. The living word of God is flowing into this place every week. We're not giving you motivational speeches. We're giving you the living word of God and the principles of the kingdom, right? Show up 80% of the time this year and your life will be different by the end of next year. Oh, I didn't think it was gonna cost me that. Oh, I don't wanna do that. You wanna be financially blessed? Begin to give, begin to tithe. Oh, I didn't think it was gonna be. Everybody wants change, not everybody wants to do what it takes. And there is a world of difference. Everybody wanted that guy's uh, business plan. Everybody wanted it. Show us how you do it. Show me the magic formula. Nobody wanted to do the assignment. Nobody wanted to do it. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Bless God, no way. You mean it's going to cost me something? I actually have to pay? It's say with me, if I don't invest in me, nobody's investing in you. Hmm? It doesn't matter if it's your marriage. It doesn't matter if it's your, if it's your job. It doesn't matter if it's your home. It doesn't matter any, any sphere of your life. If you, want, if you want the Lord to invest in you, start investing in yourself. He's if you're Christian, you're born again, God's already given you the power and the potential. But you got to do something with it. Another story. i got a lot of lanes I can follow. I'm going to do my best to stay on this lane. So the, I'm going to give you, five, say it with me, five words, five words and five focal points for 2023. Word one. It's easy. We just got it on the screen. It's called zoe. It's called life. Right? You want to change? This is the first way. This is where the power of the kingdom begins. It begins right here. It begins with life. Zoe life. The life of God. This life, there's, so there's bios life, there's life, there's psyche life. So there's, bios is the life of this body. Psyche is the life within the soul. But the life within the spirit is called zoe. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have it. You don't have it. Without Christ, you are spiritually dead. In Christ, you're spiritually alive. That's the zoe life that comes in you. The animation of life. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you give your life to Jesus? Yeah. Huh? Did you feel the animate? Anybody? Come on. Yeah. We can give him glory. Right? So that's Zoe life. And the first way that you're going to change this year is you're going to awaken to that life. What does that mean? It means becoming and living as the person you were born again to be. Amen. I need to be the person I was born to be. No, you need to be the person that you were born again to be. You're born again. Right? And that person, first and foremost, the way that you, this is how things change. You hear me thread this all the time. If you come here, you hear these same things. And again, there's a difference between hearing it and actually doing it. First perspective you have to awaken to is that you're a son and a daughter of the highest. You have to awaken to that identity. You have to cut ties with all your former selves and all your former past lives. I saw a guy on an Instagram post, and he posted a picture of himself when he was like 24, and he's like, yo, you know, and he's like this, and then he's got his hair cut, and he's standing over here, and he's going, new year, new beginning, and he's like, time to cut ties, and I thought, word. You have to cut ties with the former self. You cannot, you cannot become who you are if you're holding on to who you were. Yeah. 
This is so crazy, right? And Christians live this duality of life. They live, they think this is the Christian thing I do and this is what I do over here. This is the Christian, no, it's what you are. The kingdom is a lifestyle, I'm a son. I'm not a father, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a son who's a father. I'm not a pastor, I'm a son who's a pastor. My sonship before my father comes before everything. That is my number one filter. Brian, you're not an artist, where's Brian, is he here? Yeah, yeah. Brian, you're not an artist, you're a son who's an artist, right? This is who you are. You're, you have to awaken to that identity and that has to become your filter because that more than anything else will affect your, chain, will affect your decisions. If you keep seeing yourself as you've been, you keep seeing yourself as everybody else says you are, you even keep seeing yourself as you want to see yourself, the image that you have of you is far less than the image your father has of you. Yeah? Do you know what you really are? You know what you really are? You are princes and princesses of Zion. Princes and princesses of a kingdom. Yeah? You rule. You have spiritual authority in this world, and you are an heir of this world and the one to come. That's who you are. You don't know what you're doing, right? None of us do. This is why the relationship, through the relationship with Jesus, this is how we work these things out. God gives you the concept, and in the concept, he presents an invitation. You're a daughter. Do you want to know what that means? Come follow your father, and I'll show you what it means, right? This is what it means. So we have to understand, we have to awaken to that. You have to awaken to who you're going to be born again. If you cannot, this year, no matter what you do, you have to see yourself as a son and daughter. That is your first thing. You must awaken. If you're not a Christian, you need to give your heart to Jesus. If you don't know what the Zoe life I'm talking about, you have no idea. All of my filter, all of my reset is back to sonship, back to sonship, back to sonship. I don't figure things out on my own. I'm not on my business. I'm on my father's business. I don't have any good ideas. Jesus is the only good idea I have. All of my plans, I submit to him, and I say, what do you think? Yeah? It's true. It's actually an act of faith. First Corinthians, from now on, regard no one according to a worldly point of view. Not even yourself. No longer see yourself from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a what? Right. Old things of? Behold. Right. You have to live as a new creation. We think, this is how the church will teach you. We think that living as a new creation is following all the rules. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't hang out with those that do. Look prim and proper at all times, right? This is, this is how we, we construct this, this, this idea of what it means to be a new creation. A new creation is living as a daughter or living as a son. That's what it means. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's actually a subconscious understanding that affects my thinking. I have a determined thought, and that determined thought I implant in my subconscious. I tell myself all the time, I didn't tell myself I was a son. Jesus told me I am. Hmm? Royal priesthood, holy nation, that's what you are too. You are royal priests. The identity piece is so huge. But if you can't awaken to that, you're going to struggle. We're just sinners saved by grace. Who told you that? Who told you that? Show me where he says that. He doesn't say that. To those that believe in him, he gave them the right to what? To be called the sons and daughters of God. To those who believe on his name. If you've given your life to Christ, you have a right that no one else has. We're all children of God. No, we're not. I love to look in the camera and say this. We're not all God's children. We're not. If you don't know Jesus, you're God's creation. You're not God's child. Mm -hmm. You are not God's child. 
Mm-mm. Jesus looked at the Syrophoenician woman and said, the bread is for the children. You're not my child. I have no covenant with you. I have no relationship with you. But she asked him in his generosity, and he gave it to her. When you give your life to Christ, you're adopted as sons and daughters. That is your eternal identity. Romans says the world awaits for the arising of the sons and daughters of God. What does that mean? Creation is groaning. It means the world, the creation, and heaven itself responds when sons and daughters begin to understand who and what they are. Your life will not respond until you get your identity straight. (laughs) It's a massive paradigm shift. And if the only thing you can do is see yourself in light of a son and daughter, I'm a son, that's not what I'm doing. I'm a daughter, that's not what I'm doing. It affects every decision I make. Every decision I make, does this bring honor and glory to my father? I'm not touching it. I'm not doing that from a standpoint of rules. Ooh, ooh. I really personally don't care what people think of me. I mean, on some, some things I do, you know, everybody wants to be liked, but it, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not about getting the applause of the people or people's approval or the fear of man. It's about the honor of my father. Amen. That is everything to me. Yeah. This is why we have church on New Year's Day. This is why we had two services on Christmas Day. There are churches that are taking sabbaticals today. Do you know why? Because they don't want to come. I don't know why they do that, because to me, it's honor to the Lord. Why do we assemble? Because it honors the Lord. This is what he wants. Doesn't matter if it's inconvenient to me. Does it honor my father? Yes, then I'm doing it. It hurts. I know it hurts. Your first point of change is awaken to that Zoe life. You must awaken to that. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Stop thinking like your old self. Stop thinking like everybody else. Say this with me. The opposite opposite of cowardice, cowardice. or excuse me, yeah, how do I want to say this? (laughs) The opposite of cowardice is not fear. It's conformity, right? Fear, conformity is the poison of the day. Everybody wants to be like everybody else. And if you're a Christian, you're not like everybody else. Bible says you're a peculiar people. You're like, you guys, these people are strange, right? But the church waxes conformity too. We all want to be the same. We all want to be the same. We all want to be the same. We're not the same. You know, we, we have to become who we are. Do not think according to the pattern of this world, but do, 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 you, um, do not think according to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See things and yourself differently. Then you will be able to prove and, and approve the, the will of God. People want to know the will of God. The first part of the will of God is understanding who and what you are. Thinking as heaven thinks, seeing as heaven sees. You were made, so here's the point. So first, first word I want to give you, say it with me, zoe. zoe. I must awaken to my identity. This is where everything shifts. Everything shifts on that point. If you can't get to that point, there's nothing further to say. Nothing further to say, right? <laughs> I, always, I remember this lunch, and I, I remember to this day. We're all eating breakfast. We're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. It's a bunch of pastors I'm having a lunch breakfast with. I don't know where, I think it was Colorado or something. I remember it was in some weird place. I mean, not, not that Colorado's weird, but um, I'm having this uh, conversation and they're like, we're all sinners saved by grace. And I was like, not me. And they're like, look at me like, what? I'm a son of the highest. That's who I am. I'm loved on my worst day. Jesus is for me even when I'm against me. That's who I am. And they're looking at me like, are you crazy? You know, as you think in your heart, so you become the true I align with the truth of heaven I'm a son of my father and that is how I align my life everything flows from that I'm not aligning with religion are you kidding me right good God help us all Jesus didn't come for a religion he came for a revolution 
revolution of love, a revolution of transformation. It's, and it's father to son, father to daughter, son to father, daughter to father. It's another story. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Everyone that asks, it will be opened unto you. Everyone that asks, sorry, I'm losing my place here. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened unto you. Do not conform to the pattern of this word. I had to move my notes around, so I, I clearly got that verse out of, out of order. So you have to live with the heavenly perspective and stop doing empty things. And you have to put on the new identity. Say it with me. I must live with the heavenly perspective, and I must put away empty things, vain things, empty things that produce nothing. This needs to be the year you go all in. Again, this message isn't for everybody. Alex is like, you got a title? I said, yeah, this message isn't for everybody. This is the year you go all in. Anything and everything that must be interwoven with the Lord, our lives are to be interwoven with the Lord. Every single part of our life is interwoven with him. You are loved, but you will never move forward without the basics. Yeah? If you want to move forward, this is the message. You can, be, you can stay the same. You can be like the guy laying at the pool for 38 years, and you can stay there for another 38 years if you want. You can stay there for a lifetime. It's all good, right? Read the Gospels. How many people Jesus passed by, right? How many people did he pass by? He passed by a lot of them. Well, God's going to see, and God's going to... No, he's not. No, he's not. You have to be a part of the process. It doesn't mean you're not loved, Right? I'm talking to, I believe I'm talking to a bunch of people or a group of people that want to change, that, that want to see real faith. This is, this is the question. Do you want to change? You're loved, but you're never going to move forward without the basics. And you will never move forward without a foundation. So radical five. So it's like living as a son and daughter. If I'm a son and daughter, what does God expect of me? He expects me to commit and connect to church. He expects me to financially give. He expects me to read and have a working knowledge of my Bible. He expects me to pray, and he expects me to live on mission. Basic element, all Christians are called to that standard. Every one of you. Every one of you is called to that standard. The, the foundation, my identity, and then the foundation that everything God builds on will flow down those streams. If you're not committed and connected to church, good luck. I mean, all you got to do is watch Wild Kingdom on TV and look where the lion looks, right? They look for the one that's off on his own and kind of goes to the herd and then wanders off by the herd, you know, and then goes and then over here. They isolate that to commit and connect to church. You have to, you have to build your house upon a rock, understand? The foundation, so here's the deal. Jesus said those who build their house upon the rock, the rain will come, the storms will come, the floods will rise, and that house will stand. This is what it means to build your house. My life is built on the rock. Your life may be eternally in Christ, but your life is not circumstantially in Christ. Christians are victimized all day long. I'm in the people business. This whole shiny, happy people thing isn't reality. We all go through things. We all face difficulties. And we all have to have a faith that actually works. We have to have a faith that overcomes. Read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, financially give and live on mission. Radical five. That's the basic line of discipleship. And from there, we build out from there. Zoe is the awakening life, right? So I had a guy recently talk to me about, like, I just don't feel on fire. I just don't feel fire. I don't feel on fire every day. I don't feel on fire. And I told him, I said, look, dude, when I roll out of bed and I'm my feet eat the floor, I'm not singing glory hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? To think that we're going to be riding on this plane of just this spiritual encounter all the time, that's, it just doesn't work like that. What it is, is it's, say it with me, consistency in the ordinary, with expectation in the extraordinary. 
We must be consistent in the ordinary and then, the, and then expectation in the extraordinary. You have to first, the first point, son and daughter, as you're a son and daughter, get on page with Jesus. Get on page with Jesus. Begin, this is the year you're gonna read your Bible. This is the year you're gonna have a working knowledge of your Bible. This is the year you're gonna do that. This is the year you're gonna have an ongoing conversation. Prayer for me is an ongoing conversation. This is what prayer is. Prayer isn't me sweating it out in the closet. That's not me. I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm, it's just the style of prayer that I do is I have an open thread. I have a, I have a running current with the Lord all the time. I'm constant, I have a current running all the time, right? I go away, I meet with him, I walk with him, I talk with him. And when he, when he has the permission to interrupt me anytime, and he does. And the only reason that he does that is because I have that open current with him. I'm, I run, I'm, running, that, I'm running that algorithm all the time. I'm always listening for heaven. I'm always looking for heaven. And so when the Lord starts showing me something and he starts telling me something and he starts burdening me, I'll ask him and then I'll pray or intercede and things like that. But that's why the Bible says pray without ceasing is that you're running this thread all the time. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing an intercession and writing a prayer and, I'm gonna pray, you know, and having designated prayer times, but I try to live a lifestyle of prayer and I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm merely trying to model it for you, right? Because prayer for a lot of people is torment. I'm gonna go get in my prayer closet, hallelujah, right? <laughs> you ever see the people that I've seen people that show, I'm sure you have, people that have seen their prayer closet and they got this little tiny little box with a little thing and they're in their, they're in their prayer closet. Like, that does not look like fun at all, at all. That doesn't look like Jesus to me at all, right? It's not about that. If, you want to, if that's your style, and there are people who have the burden of intercession, and they are intercessors, intercessors. That's what they do. They feel the burden, they see things, and they just go at it. And they're pray like that, and those are amazing. And that is actually a calling that the church needs to recognize. We're all called to pray, but there are people that have a higher calling in prayer, and it's intercession. And they're like jonesing for prayer. Give me something to pray for. Give me something to pray for. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm not that guy. <laughs> but what I am is I'm the one who runs the current. What are you saying, Lord? What are you doing? What are you saying, Lord? What are you doing? What is your word, Lord? Show me the future. Tell me this. Show me where I'm off. Show, you know, it's always like that with me. So your first thing is zoe, awaken to your identity. Get on page with Jesus, right? The second thing, so if you can't get that one, there's no need in going further, but we'll go further anyway. The second word I'm gonna give you is passion. You wanna change this year? First one is identity, second one is passion. It's a Greek word, entheo. Say it with me, entheo. It means enthusiasm, right? Entheo, it means literally in God. Things that are born in God. Things that you would get so excited about that you would do for free. That's what enthusiasm means. Passion is a consuming desire. It's joy that comes from divine inspiration. It's what God has put in your heart, right? It's what's, what's in you. It's not what you're doing. It's what's in you. It's your burning desire. There's a burning desire and a dream and an awakening. And that dream may be raw. That dream may be unformed. That dream may be off-center in some ways. But every single person has a yearning within their heart. You have an entheo. You have an entheo. Some of it's like we need to take care of these people. Some of it's like, we need to do this or we need to do that. There's, some, there's something every single person has. And this is the idea. The sec first thing you have to do is get on page with your identity. The second thing you've got to get on page with is the desires of the heart. You understand? Say this with me. I love this one. The world gets out of the way for the person who knows where they're going. And why do you think that is? Why? Why do, they think, why do you think that is? 
Because 95%, go back to the 5% rule, 95% of people are completely clueless. They have no idea where they're going. No idea. I always use this story. Uh, I was talking to Chuck about Paris, and when we were younger, we used to travel a lot because Sherry modeled, so we were always, you know, and I, we, had, we were broke, so we were eating baguettes and pate, and, and so somebody was asking us, what's pate? And it's like duck liver, and then Chuck's like, it's seasoned with cognac. I was like, oh, that's why it's so good. Anyway, but I remember we went to Milan, and we got off the train in Milan, and I'm clueless. I don't know where I'm at, and Sherry knows where she's going. I don't know where I'm going. You know, she knows where she's going. I get off there, and I'm standing there. Have you ever, anybody ever been to Milan? You ever been to it? Like, like, okay, it's like massive, right? You get off the, you, I remember getting off the airplane, everybody smoking cigarettes. It was like, it was just massive cloud of smoke. And then I remember the train stations, it was just massive amounts of people. And they were just pushing and shoving. And I'm sitting there, and I'm getting knocked around. And Sherry's like, this way. And so we just walked through the crowd. And as we kind of knew where we were going, everybody got out of the way. Amazing. Amazing. But so long as I stood there staring at the signs, where am I going? Boom. Life is knocking me around. I'm getting knocked around because I have no idea where I'm going. As soon as I knew where I was going, everybody gets out of the way for the person who knows where they're going. Question is, do you know where you're going? Well, how do I do that? Goals. Simple. Goals. Goals. Kingdom goals. There's basic goals. I'm going to get up early every day and I'm going to go work out. Hallelujah. Good for you. But I'm talking a little bit more about kingdom goals. Jesus turned around and asked those who were following him. He, he said this, what do you seek? What do you want? What do you want? Okay? What do you want? Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? Delight yourself in him. Come unto me, relate to me. That word delight is intimacy. That's what it means. It means luxurious. That's what that word delight means. Find your luxury in me. Find your luxury in my spirit. Find your passion in me, and I'll give you everything that is sired in your heart. This is what happens. This is the whole concept. When you're worshiping God, and you're luxurious with him, and you're giving yourself to him, he puts things in you. There's a difference between what you want and what he awakens within you. And usually what he awakens within you is what you were designed to do in one form or another. So the desire comes from him, right? But we have to delight ourselves in him. Intimacy, it also means pliable. That word also means be moldable. So it's like not just intimacy, but do what I say. Listen to me. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given. So here's the deal. It's God's desire to prosper you. It, you were, so, okay, this is going to sound really strange to some people because the church doesn't see, teach this, but this is true. Man was designed to succeed, right? And man was designed to overcome. Poverty's not of God. Poverty in a relationship is not of God. Poverty of mind, poverty of soul, poverty. Pick, pick a poverty. It's not of God. It's not of God. You're designed to succeed. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It's three parts of the same whole. So the way I was taught this in Bible school, and many times, are you asking, are you seeking, or are you knocking? It's not, it's not all these individuals. It's part of the same whole. Ask. Ask. This is the first thing he's saying. Ask. Ask what? What do you want? What is in your heart? What is in your heart? Specifically, here's, here's this, I call this section ground control to Major Tom. All right? Clue phone. Here's what people say. I'll say, what do you want? I just want peace. I want peace. I'm like, okay, what does that look like? It looks like whatever the Lord wants to give me. 
You will never be given what you don't know. You will never. Until you come to the place of specificity, you will never be given, you will never be given what you don't know. I want peace. I just want the Lord's will. I want the Lord's will in every situation. Oh, yeah? So what is the Lord's will? I don't know, but I just want his will. So we're basically going to play the circumstance game. Does the Lord have a word for the situation? Does the Lord have a word for this matter? Does the Lord, will the Lord speak into this? Absolutely. You want the Lord's will. You have to be specific in what you want. You have to ask specifically. So five words. I'm going to give you five key areas. We talk about this all the time. Your faith, your family, your friendships, your future, your finances. Right? Are you the 5% are you the 95%? So some of you, you need to listen to this message again, and when you get home, you need to get a pen and you need to get a paper. And you need to start writing this down. What do you want? If you ask for nothing, what are you gonna get? That's right. Five key areas of your life, your faith, your family, your friendships, your future, your finances. What do you want specifically? What kind of marriage do you wanna have? What kind of marriage? Yeah? How do you want, what is, what is the dynamic within your home that you, would like God, that you would like to see created? This is the first step. There's other steps behind this. But the first thing is understanding what you want. What, what do you want? What kind of son do you want to be to your father? What kind of daughter do you want to be with your father? What kind of relationship do you want with your Lord? What, what, the, what do you want specifically? I want to know him. I want to be on his, be on, I want to be on his mission. I want to hear him clearly. I want to understand him clearly. I want to be obedient to everything he tells me, and I want to pursue him with everything I have. That's the kind of relationship I want. That's specifically, right? And then there's steps past that, but you're never going to get to the steps if you don't know what you want. You're never going to get there. What is your vision for your family? What is your vision for your friendships? Friendships, yeah, your life is affected by two things. This again, statistics. Statistics, statistics. I've studied success for a long time. It's one of my topics that I study is success. What makes success, success? Why do some succeed while others don't? Why do Christians succeed and others don't? Why are other Christians able to attain levels and others don't? I've looked at this. This has been like a pursuit of my life. And there are reasons. <laughs> there are reasons why this happens. What kind of, and two of the reasons that will determine your future is what you are consuming and the people you're hanging out with. Say it with me. You don't send turkeys to Eagle School. Right? If you want to be in, if you feel like God's called you to something and you're hanging around with a bunch of turkeys, you're going to rise to the level of your five closest friends. That's a fact. And you're going to rise to the level of what you consume, what you take into you. Right? So there's two levels. This is the way we're designed. Church doesn't like to talk about this, but I do, because this is what I do, right? I just do. My name's Pastor Kevin. I'm your friend. You have the conscious mind, and you have the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is the servant of the conscious mind. This is how God's wired us, right? This is why most people's lives are affected by the damage within the soul or the emotions, which is the subconscious level. This is where all the damage is. You don't want to do it, but this is where the damage is. But at the same time, the subconscious actually serves the conscious mind. God has made us this way. As a man thinks in his heart, so they are. So when you, when, you tell, when you present that to the subconscious, the subconscious seeks to manifest this. This is really where the realm of the Holy Spirit operates. The Holy Spirit operates within the level. He's in the spirit, but he's working at the subconscious level. When, I'm, when the Holy Spirit is working with me, it's not like I'm having my computer turned on. You know, I, his dominant presence is here. His dominant presence isn't in my mind. It's here. 
He may be activating my mind and teaching my mind and training my mind. He may be doing that. But what you consume, so watch this. You consume violent television. What do you start thinking about? You consume music, rap, yo, gangster, boom, boom, boom. Me and my boys with a bottle of Henny going to light up the block. What do you start thinking about? Going out and getting a bottle of Henny and lighting up the block. It's true. This is what we sow into our soul. What you put into you is what's going to come out of you. This is just a, this is a fact. This is what I'm trying to tell you. And so when you're around certain people, that's going to affect you. And the content that you consume will affect you. It will affect you. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's number one. Number two, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. What's he saying? What you're consuming is what you're going to do. If you're going to consume novellas and you're going to watch everybody get divorced or you're going to, you know, you're going to idealize your, come on, come on, too close, too close, too close, right? You're on the couch this morning, pastor. I don't like it. You've pulled into my driveway. I don't like it. <laughs> and you're going to see all this stuff and you're going to idealize your marriage you're going to idealize your children and you're never going to meet that standard you're going to find yourself bitter and frustrated because you're consuming an ideal it's not real we, we, that's another story but you've got to guard what you're putting into you this again this is what shifts you this year you have to find out what you want what do you want what do I don't want anything and you know what you're going to get zero zero but there are five percent that will and you'll see things change Things will change, right? So here's another thing. I want peace. I want what the Lord wants. What's that? What does he want? I don't know. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Okay. Then I hear people, I have women that want to get married. Let's talk about marriage for a minute, all right? All the singles are like, please do, all right? I hear women say to me, I'm looking for my Boaz. You know what my question to them are, is, are you Ruth? Are you Ruth? You're looking for Boaz, are you Ruth? Just a question. You know, we all want Boaz. Women all want Boaz, but they're not Ruth. <laughs> I'm looking for Brad Pitt. Have you seen the kind of women that Brad Pitt dates? You want a guy like that? Are you like that? First of all, he's shallow, narcissistic, right? Uses, abuses, and consumes, and throws them out with the, with the trash. Right? He changed the 40 in for 220s, Leonardo DiCaprio. Right? Ooh, too close. Just saying. So we hear these stories and we want this. Or the guy will say, I want some, and she's got to be hot, man. She's got to be hot. She's got to be hot. I'll tell another Sherry story. So it was a guy, we used to go to this other church, and there was a lot of, you know, it was on Miami Beach, and so a lot of, uh, there was at the time the modeling industry was really, so there was a lot of models that were coming to this church. And my wife, of course, was a model. So um, this guy would come up to Sharon's like, oh, man, can you introduce me to her? You know, I really, man, she's, she's, just, she's just for me, man. She's for me. And the dude used to wear track suits. You know what I'm saying? Like Beastie Boys style. You know what I mean? Like, can you introduce me to her, Sherry? She's hot. And she kept saying this over and over again. So finally, my wife's like, tells it like it is, elephant in a room. She's like, first of all, if you want her... She's not going for this. <laughs> you, she's not going to date the fourth member of the Beastie Boys. That's not where she's going. 
That's not her style. See, this is, but this is how we see things. We want the Boaz, but we got to become, you got to, if you want the Boaz, you got to become the Ruth. Amen. Right? Amen. It's just a difference. It's like round control to Major Tom. This is what I want, Lord. Pastor's asking for goals. My goal is to marry a Brad Pitt. That's typically what's good, what goes on. It's, it's, not, it's not true. Or this is another one I get. They got to be perfect with no life issues. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Really? You're going to be waiting a long time and you're not married. Why? <laughs> what happens specifically with men, men have never learned to develop themselves emotionally. I'm speaking to the men in the room for a minute, right? And what happens is in a relationship with a woman, you are forced to break that emotional barrier. And all the women said? Amen. She was taken from the rib near your heart, and she wants to get right back up in there. That's where she wants to get right in there. Right in there. What are you thinking? Oh, nothing. You're thinking something. I know you are. <laughs> Man. You have to develop. That's what happens. And so what happens typically with men is as soon as the emotional barrier is broken, they're looking for the door. They're looking for the door, right? Women tend to be all over the place emotionally, so they need a guy who's a little bit more calm on the emotional side, right? And the dudes are like calm and like, hmm, you know? And we need a little bit of woman that draw that emotion out of us. You're like, you're describing my marriage perfectly. It's true. But men have to, you have to, if you're going to stay married and you want to get married, you have to get, it's not this fake thing. You know, and I, I see guys all the time, as soon as it breaks the emotional barrier and they have to actually flaws and all start coming out, nobody, everybody runs away. And so the guy's always telling me, well, she's got to be, she's got issues. She's got issues. How many times I've heard dudes tell me that? I'm like, hey, what happened to her? Oh, she's got issues. She's got issues. And I'm looking at them like, and you don't? And you don't? <laughs> it's true. He's not Brad Pitt. He's not Brad. He's not my Boaz. He's not my Boaz. Well, maybe you're not Ruth. You ever thought of that? Just saying. What do you want? Why do you want it? It's, it must have a kingdom value. So you must find the desires in your heart. What do you want for your faith, Christian? What are your goals? What does your father, what do you want for your family? What do you want for your friendships? What do you want financially? What do you want for your future? Pick one area, right? Just pick one and devote yourself 12 months to that area and see how far you grow in that area. Work on all five if you, if you can multitask, if you want to do that. But those are the five key areas. Those areas will determine more about your life than anything else. So you got to understand what you want, what's in your heart. The second, the third thing is study success. Mindset. Say it with me, mindset. You want to know what a successful marriage looks like? Find people who've had successful marriages and study their lives. Read about their good, bad, and ugly. If people aren't going to talk about their ugly, I don't listen to them. Because I, it's not all shine, right? I've been around a long time. There's no such thing as shine. Say this with me. Perfection is not possible, but excellence is. We cannot be perfect, and you will soon discover you're not. But you can be excellent, and you can change and develop an excellence. That's really what God is actually expecting of us is excellence. 
Be, be perfect as your father's perfect. Yeah, because he's trying to show you. See, I, I got to do this theological discussion because people will automatically start calculating in their head. Well, doesn't the Bible say be perfect as your father is perfect? The whole point of that conversation is to show them that they're not perfect and that they're lost. So when Jesus says that, are you perfect? No, I'm not perfect. Well, then you need a savior. Because you're not perfect, that means you're lost. Because you're not perfect, you fall short. And because you fall short, you're outside. And so you need someone to bridge the gap for you. That's the whole point of that conversation. There's no holiness without the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you're as holy as you're ever going to be. You're not going to get any holier than you are. The Holy Spirit is the, is, is the endowment of holiness. It's it just another story. I'm, I'm going down. I want to go off on the Holy Spirit, but come back to the message. You have to study success. Who has achieved what you want? Hmm? You have family success? Study not one model. Study a bunch of them. Look what they do. Look what they've done. Look what, how they've succeeded. Look where they've lost. Look where they failed. Everybody has struggles. I learn more through people's struggles than I do through their successes. Amen. When they tell me, yeah, I had that struggle too. I had that struggle in my home. I had that struggle financially. I had that struggle in my marriage. I had this, but this is what the Lord did. That's where the story is. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Find people that are that way. How did they get where they are? It provides you with, with information. So the Holy Spirit works through what you understand. We all want God to speak to us and work in our lives, but he only works through what you understand. If you, uh, Jesus said, I had much to do with you, but you couldn't receive it. You weren't in a position of understanding for me to give you more. You have to grow in your understanding. Seek wisdom and understanding more than gold. Can I go there, right? So the idea is, is that you have to grow in your understanding, and as you grow in your understanding, the Holy Spirit will speak to you in relationship to what you understand. If you don't understand these things, you can't, he's not going to talk to you about it. If you don't understand the dynamics within relationships, he can't speak to you about the dynamics of relationship. You'll get really blunt answers. Love your wife, right? I'll be on my knees going, what does that mean? <laughs> But then he started to show me what that means. As I grew up my understanding, the language increased. And the same will be for you, no matter what it is. You want to know how to, how to run your future? Study, study that. Look into that. How, is that. how is that possible? What does this look like? Another story. I just want to give you bullets. I'd love to do a seminar on this, but I, I can't do it today. Provides some information. So the Holy Spirit, you have to seek wisdom. You have to draw from the Lord. You have to study success. Say this. If I want to be successful... I must study success. Yeah. It's not just financial. It's whatever you do. You have to study those who've achieved what you want. You have to study that. You have to look at that. You have to cut out the distractions. Cut out the distractions. Now, you're not going to believe this, but this is how I see it. This is what I deal with all the time. Christians think coming to church is a distraction. I'm like, are you nuts? Or here's the other one. I can't serve anymore. I've got to work on me. It's, it's the prime, God doesn't take away the primary function of your discipleship so that you can go and work on glorious me. One of the ways you work on glorious you is by denying yourself, taking up your cross and following. That's how you work on glorious you, is you crucify the flesh and your own narcissism and you begin to do what you don't want to do. You begin to serve when you don't feel like serving. You begin to give when you don't feel like giving. It's, an, it's a sacrifice. It's what it is. God, it's not a burden. Right? It's one of the things that God tells his people. They're crying out in the book of Isaiah, and they're crying out, and they're asking the Lord, where are you, Jesus? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you, Lord? 
The Lord said, where am I? Where are you? You profaned my Sabbath. You call service to me a burden. You point the finger at everybody else, and you're the problem. So where am I? Where are you? <laughs> the service of the Lord is never a burden. It is my joy to come here on New Year's Day. It is my joy to come here on Christmas Day. It is my joy to come here any and all days because to stand before my Father is never a burden for me. You want your life to change? Read Isaiah 6. I think it's 61. No, it's not 61. It's, I got to remember the chapter. I always lean on Isaiah 61. But he's talking to them about, like, why, why are we not changed? We've fasted. We've mourned. We've put on sad clothes. We've cried. Oh, God. We've cried out for pity. And God's like, it's not empathy, dude. It's change. And one of the biggest rebukes is stop calling my Sabbath. Stop calling my day a burden. Stop saying that when you come before me, you got to complain. Every time I got to go, I got to get a church. It's true. It's true. Where do you live, Joanne? Homestead. Anybody live further than Homestead? Right here. Homestead. Homestead. Anybody further? Who lives in North Miami? Matt lives in North Miami. You live in North Miami. How long does it take you to get here? 15 minutes? Oh, you're easy. How long does it take you to get here? Yeah, 45. Right. Is it a burden for you to come? She loves coming. Matt lives in North Miami Beach. He said, it's the best 45 minutes of my week driving to church. What's your, where's your excuse? Is the Sabbath a burden to you? You want to change? Stop doing this. Stop complaining against the Lord. Stop complaining against the Lord. Get on his page. I was glad when they said unto me, David said. I was glad. Literally, the translation is running. I was running when they said unto me. David's like, we're going to talk out with Jesus? And he started running, dropped everything, and went to be with Jesus. It's all about, we're doing your wedding. We start talking to the, uh, your daughter's wedding. Start talking to the wedding planner about Jesus. You know, the wedding planner was a Christian. We start talking about the Lord. And, I mean, the conversation went on for an hour. The wedding, the wedding planning, well, it didn't matter to you guys, but she, she, I was just like, you know, we're going to talk about Jesus? Let's go. Let's go. Christian, you've got to change. If, no, if you don't change, nothing's going to change. You've got to confront the attitudes that are in conflict with your father. Christians think serving is a, do you know what's a distraction? Netflix is a distraction. <laughs> worship is not a distraction. I don't know if you all are here. Do you see the worship that's, that happens here? Get your groove on. Get your groove on. Develop a little shimmy, right? You mean one of these, you know? Just get your groom on. Come running. Depression is a distraction. Trying to be everybody's emotional crutch is a distraction. But serving Jesus is not a distraction. Not now, not ever. Paul says, I press towards the mark of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. You have to feed your faith and feed your goals every single morning. Every single morning. Feed your faith and feed your goals. Yeah? I've been setting time aside. I used to do this when I was younger, and I, did it, I would do it sporadically, and I've, I've always done it, but I felt challenged to be more consistent in what I'm doing. You're like, you poor pastor. But, like, I used to spend time with the Lord a lot, like, not just reading, but hearing him. And so in the last probably three months, I, every single morning, I don't do anything. Be, once I get up, I go and be with Jesus every morning. 
and I feed my heart, I feed my faith, I listen to something until I sense his presence, and once I sense his presence, I open myself to what he's saying to me. And I begin to ask him questions, and he begins to answer me, and it's amazing the wisdom that I get. It's amazing the revelation that I get. It's amazing the perspective that I get. And it can happen for you. You gotta make a margin for that. Oh, you don't understand, I gotta, get, I gotta work a job. Get up an hour early. One hour early, five days a week, gives you six 40-hour weeks in one year. You wanna outdo the people? There you go. One hour earlier, one hour later. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord, honor him. I just listen, I just listen. I'll listen to teaching, I'll listen to things that motivate me, I'll listen to worship, and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm getting me in where I need to be. And then once I start hearing him, I start talking to him. And I walk all the way down to the end of this street, and usually by the time I get to the end of the street, three quarters of the way down, he's lighting me up. And so I stand down at the end of the street, at this dead end street, and I talk to Jesus for about 30 minutes, and then I walk back. That's what I do. And you know what I've seen? <laughs> Just a challenge. Joshua says, keep this word in your, mar- in your heart, meditate in it day and night. So this idea of meditation is important. Meditation's in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. Yes. We're not meditating on the inner self and contemplating the navel and meditating on the universe. <laughs> We're meditating on Jesus, yes. right? Joshua was meditating when he got a great victory. You understand that? He was living under a tree. Everybody else is in fear. Joshua's over there going, y'all are too freaky fearful for me. He goes over and lays under a tree. And he's like, man, Lord, what about this situation? What are we going to do here? He's like, you know, you're a great God. You're a great king. It doesn't matter. You're the one who fights for us. It doesn't matter if you save by many or by few. And it dawned on him, oh, wait a second. It doesn't matter if the Lord saves by many or by few. And he goes for a walk with his armor bearer, and he brings victory to the whole nation. Isaac was meditating in the field when Rebekah came to him. Meditating. Yeah? Meditate in my word. Draw me in. Meditate. Concentrate. Like, let, let the things move in you. Like, you know, God so loves Lord, why do you love me? Why do you love me? You know, it's just, it's, it's just this conversation. But it's got to matter to you. Intimacy with Jesus is an addiction. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get some addiction right? That, there, that gee, intimacy with the Lord is addicting. Addicting. I mean, I'm up and going. I remember when I was doing this whole kind of prayer walk thing before, and I was just trying to call it a prayer walk. It's not, but it's more like a communal thing for me. I, communal things, communalness with the Lord is everything to me. And I remember one time when I was doing this, and this is before we moved in uh, this house we moved into a year ago, when I was doing it before, I was getting up every morning at like 6.30, right? You know, it sounds like, you know, whatever. And I was getting up, and I was going and spending time with the Lord. And I remember one morning I was sleeping, and it was 6.30, and I didn't want to get up, and I started to go back to sleep, and I felt my arm flip. My arm went like that. Holy Spirit's like, get up, man. I'm not going to sleep. It matters to him. He wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with him. It's crazy. Another story, another day. So awareness is the fourth thing, right? You have, or excuse me, mindset and then awareness. Here's awareness, Right? So we're talking about Zoe, you must be awakened to your identity. You've got to have a mindset, right? You have to set your heart towards things. You have to learn. You have to discover, right? You have to, be, uh, you have, to have a, um, a passion. You have to begin to get goals. Goals is the biggest piece. Mindset and goals is the biggest piece. And I'll recap it here in a second. But then the last thing is awareness. Genesis chapter 3, the Lord called out to Adam, where are you? 
Where are you? So here's the deal. Do you have goals? Anybody here have goals? Are they written down? How many have written down goals? Raise your hand. You have written down goals. That's awesome. 86% of people don't have goals. 14% have goals. Only 3% have them written down. Those who have written down goals have a 10 times more chance of succeeding than those who don't have goals or, written them or haven't written them down. 10 times. You're 10 times more, more capable. Where, where are your goals written? Right on her phone. Do you, how often do you look at them? Last night. As you think in your heart, so are you. See, she's, she's programming her goals. And what ends up happening is, is when you start doing that, opportunity starts coming to you. Ask, seek, look for the opportunity, find the door, keep knocking on it. Don't give up. But you're not going to get the, you have to, people are not going to get to the door until they learn to ask. What do you want? What do you want? Like, give me something that, give me a goal that, that you've achieved with the Lord. Give me one. With the Lord. With the, you felt like God showed you this goal and you, you got there. Retiring. Yeah. You retired early? Yeah. That was a goal. God gave her a goal to retire early. And she got, and you got there. See? God, you ask, you seek for the opportunity, knock on the door, and boom, it opened to her. And you keep knocking until the door opens. This is what I was trying to say earlier. Didn't quite make that point, but nonetheless. So awareness. The question is, is where are you? So you want, you want an ideal marriage. You want a marriage that centers on love and honor and respect. A marriage where there's wholesomeness in the household, there's love and honor between the two couple, and that the couple actually, and women are going to love this, they actually work together on something that's good or something that's greater than their life. That's what you want. That's the first. So that's what you want. That's great. Where are you? Where are you in relationship to that? You want a Boaz, hallelujah, oons, oons, oons. Where are you, Ruth? Where are you in relationship to Ruth? Are you a Ruth ready to find a Boaz? If God brought Boaz by you, would he notice you? Because that's what Boaz did, he noticed her, right? If there was something about her, then that's another story. So this is the question, what do you want? What do you want? What needs to change? What do you want and where are you in relationship to that? If you don't want anything, then stay the same. There's no, there's no pressure on this. There's no pressure on this. This is a New Year's message because people want things and, and this is kind of how it works. I'm trying to give you a simple way of understanding how it works. In relationship to these goals, where are you? Adam, where are you? Was it because God didn't know where Adam was? God knew exactly where Adam was. The question wasn't, Adam, I can't find you. The question was, Adam, do you know where you are? Do you have any idea come in relationship to your life and the things that I want for you, do you know where you're at? In relationship to your identity, Adam, and who I've called and created you to be in the name that I've placed upon you, do you know where you are? In relationship to my proximity to you, do you know where you are in relationship to me? Do you know where you are in relationship to the things that you've been put here for? Where are you? God knew exactly where he was. Jesus didn't spend five hours looking for Adam. He walked right up to him. Where are you, Adam? You may not like to learn, but experience is the best teacher. Where are you in relationships to the things in your life? Where are you? What do you want? What do you want? It's a gnawing, agonizing process. Simplest way is ask the Holy Spirit, what do I want, Lord? What do I want? Where's your frustration? So let's talk about where change can be. So just real quick to try to help you because you're like, well, I don't know where I want to change. Where are you frustrated? Where are you frustrated? Where are you bitter? Where are you resentful? 
well, I'm a Christian. I'm not bitter and resentful. That's not true. <laughs> Where are you jealous? Where are you jealous? We're not. You guys got a minute? Can I, can I share this with you? Uh, yes, I know. Yes. She drove 45 minutes. She's like, bring it, man. I came here. I'm here. <laughs> Your jealousy is an opportunity. I know the internet won't tell you that because the church wants to rebuke jealousy. But jealousy is an opportunity. What, anybody jealous of anyone? No one? Not no one at all? No, you guys are not jealous. Wow, you guys are pure. You guys have just really ascended to a level. So like, what would happen with me is I would be jealous of certain things and I couldn't get rid of it. I've shared this story many times, but it's an important one. And you, some of you are going to get it even if I've said this five times. I would be jealous of certain things and certain, and, and, and I'm like, what? And I couldn't get rid of it. It was just gnawing on me, gnawing on me. Anybody like that? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And so when that gnawing happened, I would task the Lord about it. And I felt like the Lord began to show me there's something in that that you want. And so I began to look at that circumstance and say, what is it that I want there? I don't want, and so, and I began to look at it. I'm like, what is it that I'm jealous for that I don't feel myself good enough for or that I don't believe my father will give me? What is it, why am I jealous? Because there's always a lie, and jealousy always is related to a lie. There's always a lie. Yeah. That God's not good, that he won't do it for you. You're not good enough, you don't have what it takes. There's always a lie there. And so as I started looking at that, I started looking at what I was looking at, and I felt like, okay, what, am I, what is it that I want? Do I want this? Do I want that? Do I want this? I'm like, I don't want any of those things. What do I want? I'm like, okay, what is going on here? I want influence. That's what I saw. I was jealous for the influence. And so I was like, okay, I want influence. Now I start to know what I want. Do you understand? And when you know what you want, now you can ask for what you want. And so it's like, okay, I want, I want influence. What else is there? significance. Wow, that's a, and so I started seeing all these different areas of my life where there was jealousy, and I'm like, what is it that I want there? What is it that I'm looking for there? Significance. They're doing something that's greater than themselves. I'm like, I want significance. And then I would see something over there, and I'd say, okay, why does that bother me? Why does that bother me? And it was like, that's a legacy. That's something that was built out four or five generations, and I thought, I want legacy. And so that became the meter and the, the governing part of my life. Your jealousy there is an opportunity, right? And well, we don't live by jealousy. I, I get all that. Can you get rid of jealousy? You can get rid of it, but it comes back, don't it? Right? Every time you see that person, you're jealous again. And you're always, I forgive them, or I you know, whatever. You're doing that whole thing. But that, there's something, there's a reason why it's there, because there's an unmet need and desire within your heart. You get jealous of other people's kids. Why? You get jealous of other people's marriages, other people's bank accounts, other people's spiritual gifts. You get jealous of a lot of things. Huh? You don't believe your father will give it to you or you believe that God's not good. And so I began to change. And so this is how the things that have happened in my life, and I'll give you another one. I was just asking the Lord this this morning. I said, why is it that I know now this, what I know these things now and the, and the things that you've given me now, why didn't I have that when I was younger? And he said, you weren't mature enough. <gasps> See, most people don't believe Jesus would ever say that to him. But he said it to me. He said, you were, you were not mature enough to handle that. What, what, what you have now, you're a different person. And you were not mature enough to handle that then. Your decisions would have been adolescent. Your decisions would have been wrong if I would have given you that now. 
you had to go through these, whatever. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is trying to find these desires. What is it that you want? Where are you bitter? What do you want? Some of you want restoration. Somebody's hurt you. Somebody's caused you pain. And there's a lot of anger in you, right? What do you want there? You want resolve. You want restoration. You want restitution. That's fine. You want that. Ask the Lord for it. Does this make sense to you? Yes. Right? Some, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things that we want that are outside of the cars, the boats, the houses, the this, the that. There's things that we want that God will deliver to you and he will heal you. Lupe wanted freedom. She wanted to be free. She didn't want to work all the years of her life right up to the finish line. She wanted an opportunity to explore other things that how God has made her. She wanted that, and so God opens this door. So the question is, is what do you want? Spend some time, write it down. It'd be interesting to see how many of you all actually do this. Remember the 95% rule. Go home. What do you want? What do you want? I don't know. Ask the Lord, what do I want? Faith, family, finances, friendships, and future. What do you want? What do you want? And then you make a path to get there. The last one is perseverance. Hypomeno. Say it with me. Hypomeno. You know what hypomeno means? Moving under pain. You know, that's actually the Greek word for patience. So when the Bible says, let patience have its perfect work, when I say patience, what do you think? Calm, zen, I'm just being patient. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Mm. The Greek word is hypomeno, and it means move under pain. Most of you are going to have goals. You're going to create an awareness, and you're going to realize, I'm not where I need to be. I'm off track, right? You have no plan, no purpose. If we took a ship out of, my, out of Port of Miami and we loaded that ship, we fueled that ship, there was no captain, no crew on it, we just turned the, turned the motor on and set it loose out into the ocean, what are the odds that it's gonna make port? Zero. It's gonna end up shipwrecked, it's gonna end up crashed. When a ship's captain, this is how our life is, right? You have a port. When a, cap, when a, when a ship leaves port, it has a destination, it has a goal in mind. 90% of that journey, that goal is out of sight. They can't see it. And so they're flying and navigating towards a goal that they cannot see for nine-tenths of the journey. They can't see it. You have to get a goal. You have to find, an, find out a goal. Where are you in relationship to your goal? Where are you in relationship to that? What needs to change? Find that and start moving forward. These are just principles and it's perseverance. It says, the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Last, I'm just going to sum it up. Are you guys getting anything out of this? Yes. yes? Let me ask this slide. Are you guys getting anything out of this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to be more committed to live. This is, this is hypomeno. This is moving under pain. Moving under pain. It hurts. Oh, it hurts. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Loving your wife hurts. Honoring your husband hurts. Serving your children hurts. Working on your future hurts. Hypomeno. Move under pain. We create a convenience culture. The kingdom is not a convenience culture. It's not. America is a convenience culture. We've got to wait more than five minutes for our latte. We're about to lose it. We're losing our Jesus because that dude is leaving five minutes on my latte, man. Get that thing up here now, bro. But the kingdom's not that way. Not that way. You have to be more committed to winning than losing because you're going to have every opportunity to quit. The scoreboard's going to tell you you've lost, you've lost, you've lost. There's only one thing that guarantees failure. You know what that is? Quitting. The only thing that absolutely guarantees you to lose is quitting. That's the guarantee. 
You have to be more committed to winning than losing, more committed to succeeding than failing. You have to be more committed than staying than leaving. That's a word for some of you married people. You must be more committed to staying than you are to leaving. It takes two to tango. I get that. So I'll just share with you a little, thing, a little moment. My children are here, so they can punch me out later. Dad, stop telling family stories. So we do this thing at our house uh, every Christmas, Christmas Eve, and we all, we either write letters to each other, all of us, of what we love about the person and what we do. So we just spend an evening like we're honoring. So this year we didn't write letters. We just sort of vocalized it and went around the room. And uh, my kids are used to it. My daughter like looks forward to it. Are we going to do that, Dad? Are we going to do that? <laughs> we do it every year. It's like our tradition. You know, Christmas Eve, before we open gifts, everybody's got to say something nice about each other what you like about them, what you see, you know, just, it's a, just an honor thing. And the one thing that stood out to me, which I never really realized, that both my children said to me, and, and, and I heard them both say it in different ways, and, and, and they were like agreeing on it, and it just dawned on me, is that you never see failure as failure. You know, this is what I like about you, Dad, or this is what I see in you, Dad, and just something I admire in you, Dad, is you never see failure as failure. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. Hypomeno, perseverance. I've had every excuse, and you're going to have every excuse in the world to quit. The devil's going to serve it up to you on a silver platter. He's going to hand it right to you. And he's going to say, there's no shame in this. You did your best. You tried. Everybody else quit five minutes ago. You know, you, you went on five minutes longer. You have to move under pain. Perseverance, move under pain. New, say it with me, new habits, new, habits. new, lifestyles, new lifestyles, new mindsets. New mindsets. They, hurt. they hurt. Say it with me, it hurts to change. But I want to renounce the familiar. Say this, Holy Spirit, I want to be the 5%. <laughs> Here it is, Habakkuk 2. I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart. Last word. I will go before the Lord. This is what he's saying. I will get the goal of the Lord. I will get the vision of God for my life. I will get the vision and the word of God for my circumstances. I will watch and see what the Lord says to me. He's saying, I will stand my watch. I will do what is not convenient for me. I will do what is not a com what's not comfortable for me. And I will seek the Lord. And I will answer him when I am corrected. Huh? There you go. The just shall live by faith. And the Lord answered me. So here you have Habakkuk. He's in a terrible situation. He's seeking the Lord. What do you want, Lord? He's like, I'm going to make this inconvenient. If this is inconvenient, then I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to wait and hear what the Lord says to me. And if the problem is me, then I'm going to address it. Most people write all their problems down. But the problem is, is the problem that is not on the list is them. They have every excuse in the world why they don't succeed. Oh, a bad circumstance, a bad economy, a bad family, lack of education. All that's on there, but the one thing that's not on there is themselves. The number one problem is you. If you don't change, nothing changes. You live in an information society. You can uh, disassemble and assemble a car through YouTube videos. What is it that you can't access? What level of knowledge do you not have? People have dreamed of the world that we live in. You have every opportunity known to man. Yeah? What's your excuse? Stop making excuses. You must change. You're the problem. If you don't like where you are, it starts with you. Take inventory of your life. You don't like what you see. That doesn't matter. Change anyway. You need to change. 
I need to be more kind. I need to see with different eyes. I need to this. I need to that. Another story. I could go on. The just shall live by faith, and the Lord answered me and said this. So here you have the prophet asking the Lord for a prayer. And what does Jesus tell him to do? He says, write down what I'm telling you. Write the vision. That's right. Make it plain. Say this. The dullest pencil is greater than the sharpest mind. Oh, I'm going to keep it all up here. Good luck. Good luck. I have bins of notebooks. Bins. And I can never throw them away because they're just these things I've written down. Bins. Write it down. We don't need to write it down. Yes, you do. You need to write it down. Did you write it down? She looked at it every day. Looked at it every day. This is my goal. This is what I'm working towards. She, she wrote it down every day. She prayed into it, right? She knew what she wanted, and her father met her where she was. She asked, she sought, she knocked, and he gave it to her because she wrote it down. She was clear. She understood what she wanted. She understood specifically what she wanted, and she probably got more than what you asked for, didn't you? You got more than what you asked for. Huh? They, they, they blessed you going out the door, and they didn't even know why. We're like, okay, Lupe, uh, yeah, we can do with that, but you know what? I think we're going to give you more. We don't really know why, but we're going to just give you more as you go out the door. They didn't even know why they were blessing her. They gave her more. She knew what she wanted. She asked for it. She took the opportunity. She moved through it. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. Make it plain. Make it specific so that the one that reads it may run with it. Say it with me. The vision is for an appointed time. It will speak. It will not lie. Though it is delayed, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not wait. Have perspective. Get your goals. Change your thinking, okay? The, um, become aware of where you are and, have a, and, and pursue it. Do you understand this? If you worked on two, if I was to give you two, work on the first one, work on your identity. And then the second one is the passion, the entheo. What is it that you want? Work on that. And then if you can get those two things going, you're going to start moving in the right direction. Amen? Amen? All right. It's my heart to bless you. I'm trying to give you something to work with on New Year's Day. So anyway, I love you. I'm going to bless you. And uh, we're going to call it a wrap. Right? We don't have anything else, right? That's it? Amen? All right. Just open up your hearts. Wait a minute. If you're, not, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, what better way? You never given your heart to Jesus. You think you did, but you're really not sure. There's no greater way to start New Year's than with a new life. There's no greater way to start New Year's than by being born again. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he has risen from the dead, he will come inside of you. You'll be saved and he will put life in you and he'll renew all things and you'll come out of darkness and into light. You'll come out of condemnation and you'll come into forgiveness. It's as simple as that. Every single person is fallen. Every single person is separated from the Lord. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to provide the way home, right? And it's as simple as a prayer. And so we're going to pray, and Elevate's going to pray. If you're here this morning, you've never done this, just open your heart and pray. Open your heart and pray. Jesus will do the rest. If you're watching at home, same deal. Open your heart and pray. No one can open your heart for you. The Lord himself cannot open your heart. Only you can. So let's pray. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior, and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me, and I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. 
In all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. We should have a prayer team over here available for you guys, and I'm going to bless you one more time, and then we'll clap it out. Just receive it. May the Lord bless you. We sang this song this morning. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way, and may he give you peace, and may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.